Hello and welcome to Football Not Soccer, your favourite Australian football podcast where we bring to you all the latest in news and reviews from the last week in Australian football. My name's Camillo and along with Rob, we're going to be bringing you a special where we wrap up the A-League season and talk about all the great and wonderful and atrocious things that happened throughout the regular season and into the finals, starting with the bottom five. But as is customary before we continue with the show, Rob, I need to know, how is Berlin, my friend? <laughs> uh, Berlin is uh, good, yeah. <laughs> I've, yeah, I've, so you, yeah, I'm learning. I'm learning quick. Uh, you main, are picking up that language. It's a beautiful, delicate language that I'm picking up. Uh, it's very easy. It's very logically structured. All <laughs> um, and if anyone wasn't picking up on the subtle turns, it, um, <laughs> there was literally none of that. And um, I'm yeah. sure people get that German is a hard language to learn, and I'm sure that they <laughs> they respect your efforts, even if they might think they're futile. I know better, Rob. I know you've got the capacity to do whatever you want, my friend. And if that means learning German fluently in one month then that's what you're going to do. <laughs> um, I guess it's as good as no as any to, s- to let the listener know that we are going to be, uh, I mean, I let them know in the intro anyway, but we are going to be skipping the news this week and talking exclusively about the A-League season that has just gone because maybe it wasn't a vintage season of the A-League. Mm. Uh and, you know, we will focus on men's football for today before we head into our, our World Cup coverage, uh, which will hopefully begin in the next month uh, with the with the World Cup only two weeks away. And <laughs> yeah, hopefully yeah. the Aussies will progress further than the group than, um, compared to last season in Russia. But, um, but yeah, we'll be focusing on the A-League as it stands, uh, taking the teams from 10 through to 1 and maybe not necessarily referring to our predictions at the start of the season, but certainly having a look, uh, a bit of a deeper dive into what uh, what they managed to do throughout it. So what do you think, Rob? Should we just get started with uh, arguably one of the worst teams <laughs> in A-League history? I mean... Central Coast Mariners. Cam, <laughs> I think you're, you're dead on, and we'll probably start uh, with worst first um because uh i'll be happy to be done with this central coast mariners team when this little part of the podcast is finished because cam what a season the central coast mariners had nothing nothing positive that i can really drag out of it but let's let's have a crack at it anyway really nothing positive but you know what uh i guess they played football for 27 games they didn't come anywhere near the finals they sacked one manager after losing 8-2, which matched the worst ever loss in A-League history, which they set last season against Newcastle Jets. <laughs> this season losing to another up-and-coming star in the A-League, which was Wellington Phoenix, who thankfully will be finishing this episode on. So if you haven't already switched off because you don't want to hear about a team that isn't yours, then you will now, I guess. But... Listen to bear with us because we do have a lot to talk about. Last week, I guess we touched on Central Coast's frailties and their their lack of of any sort of motivation to try and do anything with the season. And I think probably some of these stats ring true to that, which one that one that interests me the most just off the bat is the fact that their top goal scorer, 
Uh, well, their top goal scorers were split between Connor Payne and Matt Simon, each who got five goals, which is just really poor. Uh, <laughs> they got, I mean, if we just run through this, they had three wins, four draws, and 20 losses, accumulating a goal difference of negative 39 and ending on just 13 points. It's pretty bad, Rob. It's pretty bad. Yeah, well, this has been such a... It's been a very weird season for the Central Coast Mariners, regardless of how poor that form was and how poor uh, how poor that the entire season went. But you, if we can all remember back, and I think it's a really good place to start for the season, but the whole Bolt experiment, um, should he come, should he go, should they sign him... It, it destabilized their season from the entire starting point. And it's at the time it was hard to tell what effect that was going to have on the central coast Mariners. But looking back now, I think that should be a real lesson learned for the a league that we should not make this thing, uh, this beautiful league that Australia has into an absolute circus, um, just for Absolutely. a few TV, uh, just for viewer ratings, uh, just for for you know website hits or whatever um, you want to call it. Uh, I know some of the people over at um, our major A League uh, TV provider were were excited about the prospect of having more viewers, but they're not genuine football viewers anyway. I just think that that's, that's, right. that's, that's how the that's how the season started off poorly, and then. You know, there was there was there was a glimmer of hope at the start of the season. Mike Mulvey, a successful A League manager, Connor Payne was looking um, is look was looking to I guess form into a good player, and he he did end up leading goal scorer. Matt Simon was back on the coast. Tommy Orr was brought in for a bit of flair and stability, and um, you know experience and McCormack as well. And then that all just eroded away so quickly. Cam. Yeah, and it was I mean. You, you do have to to say maybe that you feel a little bit sorry for Mulvey, who really never had a chance to get his feet under the table with injuries to key players from pretty much the start of the season. I mean, McCormack was out for the majority of the first half of the season and then went off back to England, back to his home, his parent club to, mm. to try and get fit. I mean, Tommy Orr had that terrible knee injury in that game against Sydney FC. And, I mean, ultimately... Although we were we were fairly optimistic at the start of the season, man, look, I mean, realistically, then looking back now, the players that they signed were actually way more suited to Ocon's playing style than what Mulvey was trying to implement. You know that um that good old kind of long ball. It wasn't pe- pe- exclusively long. Style. Yeah, it wasn't exclusively long ball, but that's what they ended up having to resort to most of the time with that that tactical approach that he's using because that was they had a very firm plan B with Matt Simon. There. You know, that's a very kind of clear point to make, but it's it ended up being a, a completely wrong directional move from the Central Coast Mariners. It really looks like whoever's running it. I mean, there's I'm sure there's great people up there running it, but. There seems that they're not all on on the same page, and there's there's big problems. Um, well, at least in the last twelve months, not even including the last three years, there's big pro- yeah. problems with the direction that that club's moving. It looks like uh, they have somebody in charge there. I'm not going to point fingers to any one name that don't really know how to get the best for the A League, um, and don't know how to get that stability right and make sure everyone's, you know, singing off the same hymn sheet, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I guess another thing I wanted to bring up just from the stats that I accumulated for this show is that they were bottom of the table from round four 
all the way through to the end of the season, which is pretty a pretty telling sign for how their season went. Uh, more interestingly is that the only three wins that they had were over Wanderers, Newcastle Jets, who were both fellow strugglers at the bottom of the table, and surprise, surprise, Melbourne City, who we will get to in the next show, but who <laughs> ultimately were one of the more inconsistent teams throughout the season and managed to lose to Central Coast Mariners, which you've got to say is like a bit of a disgrace on their part as well. I don't want to start slamming City w- too early, but... Uh, it, it's, it was pretty interesting to see that uh, Central Coast had a little bit of luck against them. But I do digress because we are, we are focusing on the Central Coast. And well, I, I, I was going to yeah, add one yeah. thing to your, your little Please. stats there. But, Please um, do. Central Coast Mariners were the only team this season to not get a clean sheet, and which is immense yeah. in a league where rough. Um, everybody has a good and a bad day because we don't, even if you are the worst team, your salary cap does not bind you to being that much worse than the rest of the league, which is that's something right. we need to kind yeah, of right. keep in mind as well that um, these clubs, although there is difference between who can bring in what personnel to what club and there is a bias towards those big cities for f- somewhat obvious reasons, I would say, um, that we've probably talked about in the past and we will again in the future. But Central Coast Mariners were considerably worse than pretty much every other club in every department over the season, attack, defense. Um, and uh, yeah, so I thought that was a, that was a telling point too. Sorry to interrupt you that game. Abs- no, absolutely. And I, I guess in, in terms of, in terms of that salary cap, I mean, all you can really do is bring in players that you think are going to suit your playing style, suit your management style. If you're a coach and you are making those kinds of decisions and someone who, who I thought personally in the preseason got that right was John Aloisi who brought in Adam Taggart mm. And look to be making really positive moves. Stefan Mork as well coming in. And, you know, I mean, at least one of those players only played four games, which is Stefan Mork. Uh, you know, he was plagued by a groin injury for most of the season. But Taggart, man, the guy left with 11 A-League goals to his name and ultimately jumped ship because he could clearly see that the bad boy was drowning. I mean, he was he was... 100% jack on the Titanic after that iceberg is hit and is trying to find a way to get the hell off that ship before that bastard f- sinks into the freezing cold water of the Arctic. Yeah, and I... I, 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 I got to feel bad for Brisbane. I do. I feel bad for Brisbane Raw fans because, uh, like you said, um, last season was excused almost because Brisbane Raw didn't get their preseason right, according to Mr. Aloisi. But this season, everything was set up for them to succeed. They they got some more youth into that squad that was way too aged. Although, like in hindsight, we can see that they didn't quite get enough legs in that team because they, they fell off. Yeah. But then, like you said, anyway, that, that target um, leaving at that point of the season after, yeah, like you said, scoring 11 goals is such a crucial point in the season because... Until then, maybe they could have clawed their way back up to something respectable. But after that, they should be very happy that the Central Coast Mariners were in the se- in the, in the competition yeah. this year because they uh, are very close to one of the worst A-League teams that I've ever seen play in the competition in terms of their character and in terms of their their positional sense. Um, the the tactically they were one of the poorest teams in those last 10 rounds that I, I think I've ever seen in the A-League. Maybe maybe you know with the exception of a few particularly bad teams at a few particularly rough times. But yeah, they were incredibly bad. Well, I mean, interestingly, they got 
they got some pretty big scalps. They beat City, they beat Sydney FC, and they beat Wellington Phoenix as well as beating the Mariners for the four games that they did end up winning. And I, I guess the, the more damning statistic is the fact that they managed to lose six games by three goals or more. And again, in the A-League, it's kind of hard to judge on that because, you know, if a, a team starts scoring, they're going to keep scoring. Um, but that being said, they they only managed to score, what was it, 38 goals in the whole, in the whole season, which really isn't that impressive. And in 16 of the 22 games that they did score, they scored just one goal or less, meaning that realistically, they never really had a chance. And, and the fact that Taggart left, I think is just one of the most damning indictments because the guy is probably uh, alongside Eric, Bo- Eric Botiak, the best player in your team, the most prolific goal scorer in the team as well. And he's just turned up and gone, there is no way that I'm hanging around for this because it is just going to look damning on my CV at the end of the day, you know? Well, it's so I, rough. It's kind of, it's one of my actually most hated things in the A-League that you can kind of let players just leave and not kind of replace them immediately. You know, you wouldn't see that at a major Premier League club or European club for that matter, where you just happily accept a player to go off for basically nothing and then don't replace them. And it seems to happen season after season. Last year, I guess the big one was probably Andrew Naboo. Um, with Newcastle, and you've yeah. talked about that so much. That really this killed. Year. Yeah. That really killed Newcastle. It did, yeah. and it, you know, I get it. Uh, I mean, I don't particularly agree with it, but the players have to make this move for their for their own careers. But man, when you are one of the biggest players at a club, and you just leave with no replacement, you are really just spitting on Australian football. And I I I do mean that because Taggart left and said goodbye, and that was it. And yeah. you know, I don't particularly think he's set. Um, uh, Asia alight with his move either so you know, it's, it's no. an interesting thing and I think he was very close to Sakura's contention and now he's way Brutal. further away way further oh, away yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know and you know what John, John Aloisi got 6 points from 9 games uh, while Darren Davis only got 12 points from 18 games so realistically he doubled the return but in the in twice as many games so it's it's not even that impressive and and you know what uh, harsh on davis i guess because he, he kind of took over uh when the ship was sinking very much so the thing that that kind of is uh, somewhat of a focus for me in this in this case is the fact that you know even with the new voice they only really managed to keep the same points per game average uh at, at the same level and it kind of maybe suggests one of two things. I think you alluded to it a little bit earlier, Rob, but it, it points to the fact that maybe the, the team just could not be galvanized. Perhaps the players were lacking for motivation, but I think more likely that the recruitment was just really wrong. And although we were super optimistic in the in the close season, I think ultimately they just didn't they just didn't get it right. And and I think what really killed them is the fact that Mork didn't play more than four games in the season. Yeah, and he was a he was as you you alluded to earlier that he was a, a key component of that team this season. He was yeah. gonna go in yeah. there and be um, probably the key player along with like a very experienced Matt Mackay um, to kind of run the games and you know Kill give them. that energy in that midfield for your attacking players like one player that I would really love to talk to about in a minute is um 
Wenzel Halls and obviously we know Botiak and these kind of players who can can do well, a Wenzel job. Halls was great. He was, he was good, great, man. He was great all season. I, I know we didn't really have a chance to talk about anything positive with Central Coast Mariners because let's face it, it wasn't much to be positive about besides terrible team. Matt Simon running around marauding on that field, but. Botiak terrible, was terrible team. Botiak was very good for Brisbane this year. Once again, yeah, he was um, that Penenka man. Such a good Penenka. It's the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. But um, <laughs> Wenzel Hall, what, what did you make of him? You 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 kind of gave uh, the listener a bit of a preview to him in our preseason show. But what a good yeah. season from him, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, he he's been pretty consistent with regards to his performance. You know, he's been kind of running around like a chicken with his head cut off at times, but he's always got energy. And, you know, maybe his final product wasn't always there, but, man, you've you got to give him credit. He, he took a massive step up from the uh, the National Premier League and, and you know, managed to really make a dent in that team and, and put himself into contention as, as a first-team starter, yeah. which ult- which ultimately is all you can really do in, in that case. And when you're playing with, with players that just don't give a fuck, like they, they clearly were, then all you can do is just really put effort in. And, and I thought he did that. And for a young player to do that in a team like that, is is a testament to his character yeah. and, you know if he's still at brisbane next season i'll be he, surprised well, that's what honest. i was actually going to be s- going to say um my little scoop from the brisbane raw fan i was sitting with last week to, to watch the finals was he he did resign yeah. for the next season which is a massive coup for them because oh, yeah, you can't just huge. be hemorrhaging players when you have a bad season you need to keep a core group together and we'll get onto that a lot more when we talk about melbourne victory and sydney fc and yeah. these kind of clubs for sure um another sure. one more positive cam if, if you don't mind me just sprouting it out yeah is, um, yeah yeah just wrap it up wrap Bris- it up yeah brisbane had the uh fourth highest average attendance of the season even though it is very close in that middle group of average attendance but that's, that's big yeah. for for brisbane and that means yeah. it kind of shows me that they have a lot of potential to kind of move on you know it's just it's just shy of ten thousand, and um it's good that there's a core group of fans that are there for good or bad which actually gives me a lot of hope for the for the future of the A-League because we, we need those fans and 10,000 of them that are coming to see Brisbane Raw week in, week out when clearly the team and the, the organisers of the club are showing such a lack of direction is really kind of gives me a bit of, a lot of hope actually that, you know. These Absolutely. And the next team on the list that we're going to cover could probably take a few pointers from that uh, in the Western Sydney Wanderers, but we'll get to them in just a second. Uh, so that was Brisbane Roar and Central Coast for all of you playing at home. And after the break, we're going to come back and deal with the rest of the trash and also hopefully finish on a bit of a high note with a resurgent Wellington Phoenix. Don't go away. You're listening to Football Not Soccer, your favourite Australian football podcast. Fuck it. I will take you with me. You might learn something. About soccer? No, nah, mate. Not about soccer. And for fuck's sake, stop saying soccer. Welcome back to Football Not Soccer, your favourite Australian football podcast. And in this special A-League season review episode, we have covered Brisbane Roar and Central Coast Mariners, two of the most underwhelming teams of the last season. And now we're going to move on to another team that we really thought, or at least I really thought, Rob, was going to do a much better job than they did, which is the Western Sydney Wanderers, who, after much fanfare with Marcus Babel coming in, heralding a new era for the Wanderers with regards to playing style and approach to taking on football matches, 
They ended up missing out on finals for their second year running, which is the first time that that's happened to the Wanderers. They had six wins, six draws, 15 losses with 42 goals scored and 54 goals conceded, ending up on just 24 points. And ultimately, they were a fair way outside of that top six. They had a pretty terrible run uh, in the middle there. Or no, towards the beginning of the season with two draws and eight losses following a tight win over Central Coast Mariners. Uh, And their best run ultimately only resulted in 13 points from six games following a massive loss uh, against Jets, you know. So uh, I guess they did show a bit of character to come back from that loss and put a bit of a run together. And it was kind of at that point, Rob, when we thought that maybe they could make a run for the finals after Mitch Duke came in. But what did Wanderers get wrong this season? Well, I think... Ooh, it's a, it's a tough one because the Wanderers had that very tumultuous period moving out of um, their their home stadium at Parramatta after yeah, making. It's so been many an ongoing issue though. Of course, it's been three years now. Well, I was going to say they kind of um, they 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 messed up their direction with the whole uh, last seasons with Gumbau, you know. So I think they kind of minced their their chicken so to speak because they they were going in a specific direction with your tony popovich and then they were like oh what do we want from our club and i think that just destabilized them and yeah. they made a few signings that were probably more conducive to a attacking team uh maybe and they took some risks and they did not pay off in any way and with Babel coming in with pretty much an entire squad secured beside a few international spots, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. his hands were tied, which I don't think completely excuses Babel because his first half of the season was atrocious and atrocious. It, it wasn't. Do you put that just to Mitch Duke coming in January, or is that him getting a lay of the land, not really understanding what Australian football is about, or what do you put it down to? Because the guy came with like some pretty. You know, big names on his CV. Oh yeah, well, which is for me a good manager is somebody who can get the most, out, the best out of the players that are in front of him, um, whether they are all you know relatively unskilled or whether they're the best team in the world. You know, that's what makes a good manager is you yeah. you you see what you have in front of you and you do with what you will. Then, so for me, I I think he got away massively with being able to have that horrible start to the season, which a lot of managers wouldn't get, you know. I don't think an yeah. Aussie manager doing that same job at that same club would have gotten that kind of leeway. And then... That would have been a backhand for sure. Backhand straight into the ocean. Would have been a backhand. Would have been a see you later. Would have been see you later, John Aloisi. Uh, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it was that exact scenario. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, mutual resignation. Uh, our manager decided to step down from the club. <laughs> I realize that air quotes don't really play well on this kind of medium, but you get where I'm going with that, right? <laughs> but I tell you one thing, coming into a more positive sense, like you said, they did pick up their form and it was basically until that finals position was out of way that they dropped off again. But like you said, this style changed and Babel seemed to have seems to have understood a little bit better coming into that second half of yeah. the season what he needed yeah. to do to 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 win in the A-League or to not lose or to get the best out of his squad. And uh, I know going down and watching a few games live, you know, they played a very good game against Perth Glory in that, in that run. And I think they just got a draw out of it, but they looked solid. They looked resolute. They looked like they were playing for the team. And that was... Definitely no doubt to a few pickups in the squad with with Duke and Yaboa, who I really like and I hope he gets back into form sooner rather than yeah. later. Um, 
I don't know, Cam, is there anything you wanted to add about Babel? Because I, I would love to ask you a question about the West Sydney Wanderers, uh, a specific player that they've Not like necessarily a- about Babel. I, I just wanted to add that, uh, and just playing on what you were saying a little bit before, you know, the Wanderers are still homeless. And although they've had two seasons prior to this one to get used to the idea, it cannot be easy playing at different stadiums every week. And although Spotless was a kind of home away from home from them for them, it was also just the absolute pits for, for a football match because... It was basically out in the middle of nowhere. It, it was not a centralized area, like you said last week. And also, one of the biggest things that the Wanderers had going for them was the fact that they had this great community vibe, and they had, you know, their 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 big crowds, and they had their big active support going for them. And they had a fortress at Parramatta Stadium, and and the rebuild will hopefully herald in a new era once again. And if they manage to keep a hold of Marcus Babel. And, and maybe bring in a couple more players who who will be able to play or suit his kind of style of football, then, you know, who knows what they'll be able to achieve next season. But uh, what 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 player what player did you want to ask about, Rob? Well, I'll ask you in one second, but I will just say he will not be given a half a season to to kind of figure it out again. Oh, you know yeah, I mean? for sure. If he, can't, if he can't get that going straight away, I think he'll be out the door, and I think he will know that too. So there's a lot of pressure on him. Uh, probably less on the squad than on him, but he needs to do it, and this new stadium should bring it in. That one player I was going to ask you about, Cam, it was actually it was actually two in the end, but Baum Johan, two, Baum so Johan. I'll I'll have one, but okay. certainly not two. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Baum Johan. What what about Baum Johan? Well, I, it's, he's a weird player to figure out, and he seems to actually have that next level of class that you know you want from an international kind of. Not marquee, but, you know, international squad player. What did you make yeah. of his season? Because he was out in the cold at the end. Well, I guess one thing about football, and, and this is coming from an amateur player, obviously. I don't play... I've never played professional football, certainly. And I've never climbed above Division Three, And that was when I was fucking 12 years old. Wait, but I'm pretty sure you played in Prem's Reserves. So don't... Oh, well, I did. I did. No, that's true. <laughs> I did, but that... that <laughs> That was crap. Um, <laughs> the reason I'm I'm, bringing, I'm giving a bit of context there is because one thing that I've learned playing park football is that you need to defend regardless of what position you're playing on the pitch. So even if you're playing striker, you are expected to at least try and close down your players. If you're playing a number 10 role, free role or not, you should be expected at least to try and put some pressure on the midfield if they're trying to pass it around you. And the guy just never did any of that. He, he was just like the ultimate luxury player in a team of hard battlers who needed their classy number 10 forward thinker marquee player to maybe perk up a little bit and try and lead by example. And I think the a couple of the strops that he had throughout the season, like I remember in one particular game he was taken off and he went off and sat with a towel on his head for, what, half an hour? Just having a big <laughs> old hissy fit on the on the bench. And that just ju- that just goes to show, in my opinion, the kind of character that he was. And I I'm not surprised at all that Babel left him out in the cold because he was trying to build something that was a lot more energetic and a lot more uh, dynamic, full yeah. of character, a lot yeah. more dynamic than maybe what Balmyhan had to offer. So, uh, and and it was a damn shame because one thing that I love about the A League is that it does bring in these great characters. And I think you can just look uh, a little bit further north than the Western City Wanderers up at Brisbane Raw, who we spoke about before, and Eric Botiak, who 
you know, although he was surrounded by absolute garbage, still put in 100% effort in everything, both attacking and defending. And although you could say he was a bit reckless himself, getting racking up quite a few yellows and a couple of reds, if, I'm, if my memory serves me, that still at least shows a little bit of character and a little bit of passion that he was at least angry about the situation, whereas Bomjohan was like a bag in the wind. It might be the most beautiful thing in the world, but it's absolutely useless at times. Nice one. <laughs> well, there's where our second um, classic movies reference for anyone playing at home. Um, uh, do you there any positives you got for the West Sydney Wanderers this season? Uh, that the season's over and that <laughs> they can look forward to the next one. I think um, <laughs> for me, um, a few... Uh, actually, before, before, before you go on, I will cut in and say that a big positive I took is the fact that although Riera is a trash bag of a striker, he still managed to score 13 goals in all competitions and 10 in the league which isn't necessarily a terrible return. <laughs> so uh, I pull my hands up and say that maybe he was a lot, I uh, underestimated him a little bit, but you know, I, I will not forget that quite a lot of those were penalties. So yeah, whatever. fair call, fair call. Uh, I think a big positive for me coming out of that was um, two defenders, Tate Russell and Tasmo Dukatis, I think it is. Um, I think he just goes pretty popularly by Taz, which I'll, I'm happy to go with. Um, but they look really good. Weird nickname. Maz. Doesn't Maz Taz. mean wank? Taz, you dickhead. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. yeah either way, big <laughs> shout out for those two because they looked really good in the in the closing part of the season. And with Keanu Bacchus, who's another one who's 21 years old, and Jordan O'Doherty, just a couple of years older, they, they do have the making of... Um, a team that could be successful for years to come, but that's probably my last my last call on the West Sydney Wanderers for the season. Yeah, we'll have to see where that lands. I mean, yeah, we didn't really talk about what losing Kieran back has cost them, which I think was quite a lot in the end. But you know, we don't necessarily have to go into that too much. Well, moving right along, we've got Newcastle Jets who managed ten wins, five draws, and twelve losses, finishing in seventh place just outside the six by five points although they never although they made a tiny push towards the end they never really looked like they were going to get into that and I think this probably tells its own story that their goal their top goal scorer O'Donovan also happened to miss the first eight games of the season which brings us back to the fact that they never replaced Naboo uh, a player who was a proven goal scorer for them in the season in last season when they pushed Sydney right to the end and also got to the grand final. I mean, they also didn't manage to string two wins together until the very last two games of the season, both of which were dead robbers against opposition that really didn't have anything to play for anymore. Uh, I guess the positive for them is that of the 12 losses they suffered, uh, eight of them were lost by just one goal, which means that there was a little bit of graft in there. But I mean, ultimately, maybe they just didn't have the quality. What do you say, Rob? Um, yeah, well, I think this is a big, a big loss for Newcastle kind of building from last season's the excellent season that they had. But like you said, Royal Donovan scores nine goals in the second two thirds of the season. Um, yeah. and don't forget, another thing him. not to forget about O'Donovan is he's then had, the A-League has such a long off season and then he's had another yeah two and a half months on top of that not playing professional football for like so that's brutal, almost man. six months of the year you know five months yeah. of the year you're gonna obviously need a few weeks to get back into your your groove and your fitness you can do as much 
um, training as you want, but you never get that match fitness until you're playing those competitive games. And that's that's said by all managers out there around the world. Um, you know, and also a big loss was ha- not having jo- Joey Champness in the squad until yeah. very, very late in the season. That maybe yeah. could have helped um, alleviate that kind of Naboo loss, um, which, like you said, they really never um, replaced. But, you know, there's I mean, players look, like Jair. Brought in, um, well, yeah, they brought in, I was going to say, they brought in that Brazilian mm. Jair, but... But, but he's I mean, no good. What, he's, he did nothing. He's, he's, <laughs> he scored two he goals in no. 20 games. Yeah, and then when a team's down on their luck, uh, when you do have these kind of, another use of the word, um, luxury player like a Ron, Ronald Vargas, um, he, you can't get the best out of those players. And they were on the back foot for the most of the season. And then when they did have a very slight chance to see, to to make that finals, um, once they did get it back together a bit, they... They just didn't have enough belief in the squad and Merrick didn't have it clicking enough. Merrick's a, a weird coach yeah. for me because when it clicks for him, he seems to be very close to unbeatable, but when it's not happening for him, it, I don't I don't know if he particularly knows how to thing. how to get it back, but um that's a hard one. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I guess it, with re- with regards to to Newcastle, just a final word because I mean there's not much we can talk about. I th- I don't think I mean I think ultimately they just didn't have the quality to get them through and the fact that they they you know put a lot of their hope in this Brazilian guy who just didn't work out I mean look that's going to happen in the A League considering the salary cap and the marquee system you're always going to put hopes in either a big name to get bums on seats and someone who can maybe do a flashy thing or two every now and then like you know the Alessandro Del Pieros of this world or you're going to go for a player who's maybe not of the top, top, top quality, but that you think will at least provide for your team, you know, the the um, the Ninkovic's, who I'm not saying he's not top quality, but, you know, with regards to international football, guys like Ninkovic and Barbarousas and whatnot aren't necessarily top of the pecking order, but in the A-League, they're absolute stars, you know? So Jair, they obviously hoped he would be the latter, but he unfortunately was a little bit of... Um, of a dud, and and that's yeah. a da- that's a damn shame. It's a I damn think, shame for Newcastle. I Jets. think it's. I, I'm I'm very happy to be very critical of internationals in the A League because you are here. You are taking that spot away from an Aussie. You are taking right. that money away from an the money. An it's all about that money, Rob. Well, yeah, it, the it money. You're not brought in to to make up numbers. That's the big point of international footballers. Um, in the in in the A League, so you know if if he's a dud, if he has a bad season. That's it. That's how we call it. He's, he's shit. He was shit, and he did not do much for the Newcastle Jets. Well, or they didn't get the best out of him at least in this season. And, so yeah. And as a wise group once said, "Money, money, money. It must be funny in a rich man's world." And you know, a team that wasn't necessarily dealing with too much money was Wellington Phoenix, the black and yellows, the bumblebees of the A League, the Knicks rising from the ashes of an absolutely deplorable season last term and coming through and making the final spot. And they're going to be the last thing we covered today, Rob. And I couldn't be more stoked because although they finished six and ultimately didn't do it in the finals, they finished up with 11 wins, (laughs) seven draws and nine losses. They finished up with 40 points, comfortably finishing their, their season in the top, in the top six. And, like I said, although ultimately they got beat by Melbourne Victory, they did pretty damn well to get there. And Roy Krishna, my goodness, 15 goals, wins the, the top goal scorer for the season and ends up uh, ends up 
also just being an absolute gun and then flying the coop because now he's left Australia and got yeah. assigned to a Korean club. Well, left New Zealand. Yeah, you're right. He um uh, is the <laughs> he is the all time leading goal scorer of the Wellington Phoenix, and I mean, good Outrageous. for him. Good for him going and taking what is probably going to set him up for a very long time as a in in life. But well, by the way, I just want to make a quick missed. correction. Yeah. Did I say 15 goals? He scored 18, 18. goals. Yeah, I was actually going to bring let that, that up. Be, let that be corrected. Please continue. Yeah, when it was a fantastic season, not just for him, but guys like Singh and Burgess and yeah, Taylor Max was... Instru- yeah, love him. You love him, don't you? Jesus Christ. Yeah. But, you know, they, they Mark Rudin as well, but he showed what can be done if you can get that structure right in the A-League and get the defense and get the tactics and get everybody. And we I say it all the time, it must be annoying, but everybody's reading off the same page and doing, kind of giving their all for the team. And in, in the end, they probably should have finished fourth or fifth and they let it slip yeah. in those last few right weeks. Right at the end. And the yeah. finals probably came a few weeks too late for them after their form dropped off quite dramatically but they were the informed team of the a-league for for a very long time and i for one was uh, i loved watching and that's what you want to see from every a-league club you don't want to see them at the bottom of the of the ladder every year year after year after year you want to see them challenging and not just challenging good enough but challenging to to you know mix things up and have a crack at that final series and possibly have a crack higher up the ladder and and you know what i don't i don't want to spend this whole section of the show jerking off mark rudin one of the things that jumps out at me the most for the season is that they just took seven points from nine games against this season's top three so although we could stand here and sing his praises you could tell that that was kind of a sticking point for him in the fact that he didn't just didn't quite know how to set up against teams that were better than his. He managed to take a crap load of points of teams that were worse than his, that's for sure. But when it came to that 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 um that top three, you know, the the top, the the cream of the crop, the victories, the Sydneys, the the post glories, he he just didn't have what it what it took. And, and like you said, the poor momentum in the close season did mean that they went into the finals. Uh, you know, on the back foot and didn't really necessarily get a chance to to steamroll into that final against Melbourne Victory where they were ultimately out, uh, outclassed. Uh, that being said, you, you do have to praise the man because, you know, his first season as a manager in the top flight, big performances from big players that that he managed to draw out, got him a job at a, uh, at a cushy Western United with, um, with a couple of his old mates from Wellington following suit with Matt, Matt Burgess, Max Burgess and, um, Kurt and Kurt o. O, both, yeah. both joining him. And, and uh, you, you sent out a really funny message on Instagram about the, the Kiwi blood boiling. And I, I got to say, a lot of the Wellington fans are going to be absolutely fuming that Max Burgess up and left him uh, mm. after they gave him a shot in the league. But you know what, mate? Western Sydney, uh, Western Sydney, um, Western United FC are, are starting to look a pretty hot prospect, but I don't really want to spend time on them, to be honest. Do you think, just last one of the <laughs> final point on Wellington for me, have yep. f- do you think Wellington are going to be a bit pissed off at... Um, <laughs> the the MacArthur Bulls for stealing their colours. Did you see that? <laughs> white, I black see and that. white, black and yellow in the exact same tone yeah, yellow. It's, it's, it's going to be w- it's weird. pretty interesting to see. I mean, it is what it is. What it is. It is what it is. Let's just see. <laughs> Let, let's just hope that. Let's just hope that ultimately Wellington Phoenix keep their license for as long as they've got it. 
and it doesn't end up being a sneaky MacArthur sneaking in and stealing it at the last doors. I would hate that. Which is why, maybe. Imagine they come in a season later just wait for Wellington to vacate. That would be the worst thing ever. But you know what? I, I do digress. I don't want to get too stuck in. I want to um, I want to let the listener know that that has been our our first review episode of the A-League season. And I guess before we finish, Rob, do you want to add any last words on Wellington before I wrap um, this bad boy up? No, it was really good. And it was good for the, the, the New Zealand public to have that team to be proud of. And I, I oh, hope, yeah. good I on hope them. Tale can do a, a similar job. Um, yeah, for absolutely. for them, and they can keep a, a, go- a better chunk of that squad together still, because it'd be a real shame if that if that squad just gets cannibalized, and then you know Ufuktale has nothing to work with next season, and uh, yeah. you know he's he's a new manager too, so obviously it's going to be a learning curve for him. So good luck for the Wellington Phoenix. I hope they do well again next season because it was good to have them back as a competitive team in the A League. Finally. Finally. And um, I guess if you do want to get in touch about any of the stuff we've talked about or if you want to speak to us about anything that might be coming up, uh, please feel free. You can shoot us an email. Our email is admin at footballnotsoccer.org. You can also find us on your favorite uh, social media outlets, including Twitter and Instagram, both of which our handle is at FNSpod. That is at FNSpod. You can also find us on Facebook if you just search for Football Not Soccer or just go facebook.com slash footballnotsoccer. I'm sure that you will suss it out. Uh, Just feel free to get in touch, get involved, become a part of this beautiful, beautiful community that we call the Australian football community. And, uh, And we will hit you back and we will certainly read your stuff out on the show if that is what you want. And... I guess on that note, you have been listening to Football Not Soccer, your favorite Australian football podcast. We'll see you very soon for part two of our A-League season review. My name's Camilo. My name's Rob. See you later. Ciao.